the truth that God uh, will always be there with us is the most amazing truth, isn't it? That, that actually the Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer even than a brother does. He's a God who wants to be with his people. He wants to be with you through life. He wants to be right there and he wants you to know his love in every moment of your life. And so we're going to continue today and we're, we're following on. It seems like I've been talking about tabernacling like for a long time. It seems like every week I'm coming back to this again. Uh, but we're actually just still going back to a point in chapter 7 of John's Gospel where Jesus came to the Feast of Tabernacles and he cried out. And really following on from that, it continues to talk about, about how light was part of of this annual celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. And I'm not going to recap on all of that because you know if you've been here you'll know that we've gone through that and what that meant and how Jerusalem was flooded with light and how afterwards Jesus said, I am the light of the world, how he was the fulfilment of that festival. And I have just written in your notes that light was part of the annual celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. And it reminded the Israelites of how God had dwelt among them. And his glory, often referred to as his Shekinah glory, the glory of God, the light of God, had led his people through the wilderness as they journeyed out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of, out of chains and, and loss of freedom, out of their bondage in Egypt. And then, of course, we looked over the last few weeks how in the last days, you know, in the New Testament, that Jesus had actually come then to dwell in a tabernacle or, if you like, a human body, that his human body was described like a tent or a tabernacle, and that he came to live in this body so that he would give himself as a final sacrifice for sin, and that through the work of this sacrifice, through his atonement, that God was offering and going to continue to offer the gift of salvation to you and to me so that we can walk in his light and carry his presence as living, walking tabernacles. Now that brings us up to where we are more or less now. Apart from the last couple of weeks, whenever we realised that Jesus was longing for ordinary people as well as the religious leaders to listen to him, to see and receive him as the saviour of the world, the light of life. And we saw, we finished off last week, where instead of receiving him and believing that he was the son of God, the people actually lifted stones to throw at him. What is it about human nature that resists God, that pushes against God? They were ready to lift stones to throw the stones at Jesus, to kill him if they could. Now it's very interesting that within a stone's throw, there was a wee man sitting outside the temple somewhere, and he he actually was in need of Jesus. And this is where we're going to start right now. We're going to look at chapter 9. And this wee man wasn't lifting a stone. This wee man was blind. He had lived as a blind man from when he was born. You know, I, I used to work with people who had visual problems, people who were totally blind. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a situation where when somebody's blind, they can be in danger and not realise it. Like if I was blind and I was standing over here, I wouldn't know that I'm about to fall off that. So to not be able to see is a huge handicap. And Jesus' heart went out to this man. We're going to read a couple of verses But you know, it's bad not to be able to see physically. But there's an awful lot of people can't see spiritually. 
And that's actually even worse. So let's read this story. I believe there's a lot in this story that God wants to say to us today. And we're just going to read little bits of verses, wee tiny readings at the start. So it says in chapter 1, John's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 1, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Imagine he saw this man who was blind from birth. Now, he was physically blind. But you know, this man, in some ways, was a picture of all the religious leaders who had lifted the stones up to throw at Jesus. He, he was a, a picture of the blindness of the religious people at that time in history. And not only that, but he was a picture of all the religious people who were just ordinary people who had no time for Jesus. And you know what's more? He's a picture of you and me because this man was born blind. And the Bible says that all of us were born in sin. That means we were all born spiritually blind. So this wee man is just like a visual aid today. Just like a visual aid. And Jesus walked past him and he saw that he was blind. I don't know where he was sitting. I don't know if he was sitting somewhere around the temple maybe trying to holding out a basket and trying to get people to throw some money into the basket. I don't know if he was begging. I don't know what he was doing. But he wasn't in great shape because he was blind. And if we can't see in the natural where, where we need help, and if we can't see spiritually, I tell you, we're not in good shape if we can't see God and we can't see what God wants to offer to us and he want, what he wants to do in our lives. And so this man was born blind from birth. It says in verse 2, uh, Rabbi or Master, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now you see, the, the problem was the message says that these people were asking the wrong question. <clears throat> they were asking the wrong question because they were looking for somebody to blame. They wanted to blame something or someone for why this man was born blind. They were asking the wrong questions. And Jesus said neither this man or his parents uh, were the problem. You see, Jesus understood that all of us have sinned. And whenever terrible things happen, whenever we go through nightmares, it's not because we've sinned more than anybody else. Just Jesus knows, and we all know, that sin does bring about pain, and of course it brings about problems. But none of us are greater sinners than the other. We've all sinned. And, and those who have sinned maybe uh, in ter tremendously bad ways don't necessarily uh, suffer more. It's, it does, there's no correlation between sin and the kind of life that you get. And so these people were trying to, to blame somebody. But Jesus knew that uh, this man hadn't sinned any more than anybody else. But here's the thing. Jesus wanted to show his power through this man's life. And you know what I'm going to tell you? That God wants to show his power through your life. It doesn't matter what your problem is. God can turn it around and he can, he can actually do something with your life. And here's what Jesus said. It was not because of his, uh, of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus asked. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. For the night is coming, said Jesus, and then no one can work. You see, the Lord looked at this man, and you and I might have looked at him and walked past and thought, oh, he's blind, you know, dear love him, he's blind. But Jesus looked at him, and there was something in the heart of Jesus that loved this man. 
And sometimes whenever we're sitting and we're in a bad place, other people might be passing up the remarks on it, but I want to tell you something, that God takes note of even the very sparrow that falls out of the tree. God takes note of your misery. God knows exactly where you are and what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what your problems are. He knows those problems better than you do. God understands you better than you understand yourself. And God loves you and he wants to reach out to you today. And Jesus wanted to reach out to this man. Jesus, there was something in the heart of Jesus that was reaching out to this man that wanted to lift him up, that wanted to actually show his power through this man. What an amazing thing that God wants to show the world his power through your life and my life. With all our problems, with all the things we get messed up and all, all the things we get wrong, he still wants to use your life and my life to show his power to a world that's in darkness. Because this world, the Bible says, that the, the kingdom of darkness is ruling over this world. But we who have put our trust in Jesus Christ as our saviour, we are in a different kingdom. We're in the kingdom of light. And in John's chapter, John chapter 1, the, it, the Bible says that the kingdom of darkness can't cope with the, dark, the kingdom of light. Because light overcomes the darkness. And so God wants to break through in light today, I believe. And God wants you to know that he has a purpose for you. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that tell you that you have no purpose. God loves you, and no matter what shape you're in, God wants to not only lift you and save you, but he wants to give you purpose. He wants to give you something to live for. He wants to give you something that is worthwhile getting out of bed in the morning for. That's the kind of God that he is. He's a God of purpose. And I love the verses. The verse in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, is one of my favourite verses. For it says that God works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He's a God of purpose. And Jesus loved this man and he loves you. He loves you. And I, again, I'm repeating a verse I often repeat, Galatians 2 and 20. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, who loved me, loved you, and gave himself for you. He's a great God. And Jesus said he had to work while it was still day. You see, he, he saw this man sitting. He was blind. The man hadn't, obviously couldn't see Jesus unless until Jesus spoke to him. He was blind. He was helpless. But Jesus saw him and Jesus realised that he had to do something. He wanted to do something for this man. And listen, you're here today and you're not here by chance. You really are not here by chance today. You're here because the Holy Spirit's drawing you here. And God wants to break through your darkness. And he wants you to see him. This blind man couldn't see Jesus. He could hear him, but he couldn't see him. But Jesus wanted to reveal himself that this blind man could see him. And so he said he had to work while it was still day. You see, Jesus came to this world. Remember he said he was the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now the problem was that John 3.19 says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There's a, a side of humanity that has no time for the light of God. 
But I tell you that walking in the light gives true life. That is the secret of living. And so Jesus had come to this world. He was the light of the world. He had brought light into the darkness. And here he was and he realised that he had a certain amount of time to actually do the things that God his Father was asking him to do. He had a window of opportunity. Jesus knew that there was an allocated time for him to be in this earth, for him to accomplish what his Father wanted to do through him to bring salvation to the world. And Jesus realised that, that he had this particular length of time here's what he said he said he must work quite a still day because night is coming when no one could work you see the thing is this that jesus understood his times but you and i need to understand our time as well because the bible says that we once we trust jesus as our savior we become children sons and daughters of light and of the day Therefore, the Bible says, let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Listen, God has a plan for your life. And there's a particular, this is your season. Ecclesiastes says that, that, that there's a season for everything under the sun. For everything, there is a season. Your season's now. This is your opportunity right now. And if you've asked Jesus to be your saviour, you're not a a daughter of darkness. You're a daughter of light. You're you're a daughter who who is of the day. You're not someone that's sneaking about in the dark at night time. You're living, this is your day. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to do the things that God has called you to do. Now, the funny thing is that the enemy, it's not funny actually, but the enemy knows how to steal, he knows how to steal your time. And that's the most effective, one of the most effective tools that Satan has. If he can just keep you putting off stuff, and sort of, I could do that tomorrow, I'm sure, get that sorted out maybe soon. And you know, and actually nothing changes. And before you know, your time, your time has been lost. And the problem is that when, when yesterday goes, you can't get yesterday back. But here's the amazing thing, that when we decide that we're going to trust God and we're going to start living for now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, the right time is now, because now is the time of salvation. You can't be, you can't be sure of any other time except right now. It's the only time that you're sure of is the now. And God says now's the time for salvation. Now's the time to do those things that God's calling you to do. Don't put it off. Do it now. And that is the secret. The enemy wants to steal your now. But here's the amazing thing. Have any of you ever wasted a lot of time and then you came to your senses and you came back to God and you said, Lord, I'm sorry, I've messed up. And I've been fooling around there and I've just wasted so many months or so many years or whatever. And I'm coming back and I'm asking you, Lord, forgive me, wash me clean, please come in, take over again, I give you back, I give you back the reins of my life. You take over. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to trust you and I want to obey you. You know, have you ever any of you done that after messing around for a long time? And here's the secret. When we come back and we say, Lord, I want to start living for you now, do you know what he does? The Bible says, that here's what the Lord says, he will give you back what you've lost. He will give you back even what the locusts have eaten. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a great promise. Because there's lots of times in my life when it was just like, you know what a locust is? It was a big 
swarm of them somewhere in Africa there the other week. Did you see them? They're all over everything. They just eat up everything. That's what the devil wants to do in your life. He wants to come and he wants to eat everything out of your life and leave you starving and wretched and, and lying helpless like the, the man on the Jericho Road, beaten up. That's what Satan wants to do in your life. He wants to wreck you. But when we come to Jesus and we bow the knee and we say, Lord, I'm so sorry, forgive me, wash me clean. Please come on, take over, take over. I want to do it your way. When we, whenever we actually say that to God, here's the miracle thing. He actually turns around what was meant for evil and he actually begins to give us back some of that time and he begins to give us back the opportunities that we lost. Isn't he such a great God? He's done that in my life on so many different occasions. It's miraculous because he's a miraculous God. And so here's God, here's Jesus, and he's speaking out to his disciples, and he's saying, you're all children of the day, and he says, I'm here, and I have to work, because this is the day, and, and the night's going to come, and nobody will be able to. You know, there, there's a time comes in all our lives whenever we get past responding to God. Have you ever seen somebody, and, and they're just out of it completely? And yet the amazing thing is that even when that happens, so often God breaks in. You know, they say that the hearing is the last thing that goes. <laughs> I love God's mercy. I never give up on anybody because you know what? God can pierce into your heart. But don't presume upon it. Now the Bible says, now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to get things sorted. Now is the time to get your life in order and say, right, Lord, I want to make some changes and I want to start living for you now. And I believe you're showing me this is the way to do it. And to start being obedient. Now's the time. So anyway, I've got a wee bit off track there, but um, we're getting back to this wee blind man because he's sitting on the side of the road and he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, he might have heard Jesus speaking, but he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's sitting in the dark and he doesn't know that his life is going to be radically changed. You know, you could be sitting in here today and you could think, oh, my life's just going to go on the way it always was. You know what? God wants to change your life. God wants to break in to your darkness. He wants to break into those areas because you know what? We all have areas of darkness. Even those of us that are saved. Sometimes there's wee areas and we've kind of closed them off and God wants to shake them all up and shine his light in and show us something new. And I would love today that you actually would open up to the new thing that God wants to say to you. The new thing that he wants to show you. Because I believe he wants to speak to you and he wants to awaken you and he wants to show you something new about your life and about what he wants to do in your life today. He was going to just change this man's life completely. And the wee man had no notion. And I wonder today, are you sitting here, you have no idea that God's hand is on you and he's really wanting to awaken you up. And he wants you to realise how much he loves you and that he wants to change your life. So let's read on here from verse, um, just let's read back again where Jesus said, We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. For while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Now he was the light of the world. We're going to see in a minute, as well as being the light of the world, he was the creator of the world. Let's just look to this next verse. Then Jesus spit on the ground made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Imagine that. Imagine this wee man and he's sitting making his own business and he's no idea that the saviour of the world, the light of the world is right beside him. And can't you just see Jesus getting down? I can imagine him getting down on one knee and just spitting into the ground. 
Imagine the creator of the universe spitting into the dust. What was he doing? He was making clay. He was demonstrating himself as the creator of the world. Isn't that what God did at the very beginning? Didn't he make man out of the dust? Isn't that how we were formed? Don't laugh that off because actually science has proven that that's what we are made from. We are actually scientifically proven we are actually made from dust. Isn't that just, isn't God just amazing? He made you from dust. And here's Jesus and I see him down on one knee and he's spitting into the ground and he's making this clay. And he's, he's, remind, he's given a visual aid to everybody around him and he's actually saying, I'm the creator. I'm the one who made man at the beginning. I'm the one in charge of the universe. I have come. I'm bringing light into your darkness. But I'm the one who created the worlds. I'm the one who created the universe. And I've come because I love you. And he's looking at this wee blind man and he said, I love you. That's what he's saying about his actions. And he's putting this clay. And can you imagine the wee man jumping whenever he gently puts the clay over his eyes? Well, if he couldn't see before, he couldn't see now anyway. (laughs) And then Jesus said to him, what did he say? He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. You see, this wee man had his bit to do. Jesus wants to open our blind eyes and the first thing we'll see will be his face. This wee man, the first thing he saw was the face of Jesus whenever he came back seeing. But you know what? Before he could see, he had to have faith enough to go and wash. You know, the problem is that so often the Lord comes and he says, I want to save you. I died on the cross to save you. But we actually won't step out in faith to receive. This wee man did what Jesus, he had the faith to actually find his way. I can see him going and he's still blind. He's got the clay in his eyes and he's maybe saying to some of his friends, would you help me? Or maybe he's, maybe he's heading off and he's going like this. You know the way people walk? And he's maybe heading off to the Pool of Siloam. Pool of Siloam is quite close to the temple. We go there every year. It's, you can sort of see it's still covered over. It's not actually visible yet. They haven't been able to excavate it properly yet. But you can see the bits of it. But it's quite close to the, to the temple. And I can see this man going down and he's putting the water around his eyes. And he's doing it in faith. He's saying, I'm trusting this man. This is what he told me to do. It seems a bit silly, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he starts to put the water around his eyes. And can you imagine when he gets the mud off, can you see him opening his eyes? And all of a sudden, he's maybe a bit blurred and he begins to shake himself. And all of a sudden, he can see shapes. And then they begin to take real clear. And he can see real clear. And all of a sudden... He realises he's been given the gift of sight. And it says he came seeing. I can see him running back to Jesus. And he said, I can see. I can see. You know, what a picture of salvation. Because until we by faith receive the gift of salvation, we don't know what it means to be able to see spiritually. Until that time, we have no idea what we're missing. But the enemy wants to keep us in that place of not seeing and that's what that's what second um, corinthians chapter four is all about how the god of this world is is satan he's called satan and it says that he has blinded the minds of those who, who don't believe satan who is the god of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news they don't understand this message about the glory of christ who is the exact likeness of god For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts 
so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, when we receive him by faith, when we ask him to be our saviour, when we ask him to open our blind spiritual eyes, here's what happened. Now we have this light shining in our hearts. What an amazing thing for God's light to flood through your heart and to flood through mine. You know, that's what happened when I was a wee girl of eight years old. Not really understanding uh, about all the work that Jesus had done on the cross. Just all of a sudden being alerted. All of a sudden my eyes were open to realise that my mother and father knew and loved Jesus and I didn't. All of a sudden I realised that they knew him in a way I didn't. And as an eight year old child my eyes were open to the fact that I wasn't right with God. I wasn't saved. I didn't belong to Jesus. And as a little child, I just asked the Lord Jesus to come in and forgive me my sin, live in my heart. I had no idea of what a tremendous thing that was. I had no idea that his light had flooded into my being and it would never go out. That he would be with me and always walk with me through this life. And so this man, this blind man, suddenly is able to see. Now here's the thing. What was the response? Well, if you read, there's an awful lot of verses here. We're not going to read them all. But if you start reading through these verses, here's some of the reactions. I'm just going to read them out of the notes. I jotted some of them down. The healed man, the man who was healed, the man who was able to see, the man whose, whose blindness had been, had been healed, he attracted attention. The neighbours, well, they wanted to know how he had received his sight. While some others, they were confused and they were saying, is it the same person? Could it be the same person? Now, when we read these verses, we sort of think, how come they weren't ready to believe? But, you know, is this not very like human nature? I was chatting to somebody earlier, I don't know where she is right now, but she was laughing about how her eyesight had been helped through prayer and was beginning to think, is that, is that the same as it was? You know, we begin to question, don't we? we begin to wonder, well, could it really be that God is healed? God's a healer. God can do miracles. And so these people had all kinds of different... The Pharisees, they, they, were, they wanted to hear what had happened. And when they heard that he had healed the man on the, on the Sabbath day, that was against their law. So they were ready, they were ready to charge him. They were, they were, they were saying he, he can't be a good man if he's, if he's healed on the Sabbath. Then there were other people who were saying, well, if he's a sinner, how could he, how could he do a miracle like this if he's a bad man? So there's a lot of controversy and a lot of discussion. And I think that's very typical of what happens around us. Everybody's got their tuppence worth of what they think has happened or hasn't happened. Then they called the man's parents and they asked him if the man was, was really their son. And they said, well, he's our son, okay, and he's healed. But as far as we understand, we don't really know how he got healed, so you better ask him himself. You know why they said that? Because the Pharisees hated Jesus. And his parents were afraid that the Pharisees were going to put them out. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we can read uh, as we go down through the, 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 the chapter of chapter 9. His parents replied, this is our son. And we know he was born blind, but we don't know how he can, how he can see or who healed him. Verse 20. Ask him, they said, he's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he's old enough, ask him. And so for the second time, verse 24, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this. 
because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Do you see how they didn't want to give God, they didn't want to give Jesus glory because they didn't believe that Jesus was God. And so they were, these people were afraid and lots of people around these Pharisees were afraid. afraid. But further down the chapter, they, they, all of these religious leaders got round this wee man and they started questioning him. And they started to ask him, uh, who healed you? And all kinds of questions. Let me just see if I can read a wee bit of it to you. Uh, verse 26. Uh, what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once, didn't you listen? This wee man's beginning to rise up a bit. Do you see him getting a bit perky of himself? He's beginning to speak back to these people. He's beginning to get a bit of confidence. He's saying, do you want, me, do you want to become his disciples too? He's beginning to preach a bit as well. <laughs> Then he cursed them, they cursed him, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and they said, you're his disciple, but we're the disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do as well. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And so they replied, you were born a total sinner. Do you hear them coming out of themselves now? You were born a total sinner, they said. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Do you see that religious spirit? You know, folks, people who think they're very religious, very often are the hardest people to persuade that they need to be saved. This is the saddest thing. They think they're so religious and they do keep all the rules and they do everything just right and they're right and everybody else is wrong. And you know what? They're blind. That's what this passage tells us. And I kept thinking of that wee phrase as I was preparing for this. You know that wee phrase? There's none so blind as those who cannot see. Those who will not see, actually. There is none so blind as those who will not see. And so this wee man was, um, was being chucked out of the um, out of the synagogue I put a heading on your notes here true vision and true blindness because after all of this commotion do you know what it tells us in the next verses it tells us that when Jesus heard what had happened he found the man and he asked do you believe in the son of man and the man, the, the man who was healed from his blindness answered who is he sir I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Do you see this man's heart was wide open? Jesus had opened his natural eyes, and now he was gently opening his heart. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And so this amazing story of how God had worked in this man's life. Who is he, Lord? that I might believe in him. I would love today that there might be somebody in this gathering and maybe you've never ever found Jesus. Well, let me tell you, he had found you. 
He found this blind man. He heard what had happened, that chucked him out, and he made it his business to go and find this man. And he spoke to him and he asked him, did you want to believe? I want to read this to you. It's from a book written by a lady called Ruth Haley Barton, and here's what she says. The healing of his physical sight happened in a moment, but the real journey, the journey from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight, gradually unfolded in the story. While everyone around him was asking all the wrong questions, arguing, posturing, manoeuvring, and trying to trip each other up, the healed man was on a journey of increasing spiritual insight into who Jesus really was. The light of the world was dawning in the man's heart. Isn't it lovely how Jesus takes us gently and, and tenderly and takes us step by step. He didn't, he didn't treat this, this man who was blind. He didn't treat him harshly. He didn't try to force him into anything. He gently came when he was ready and he gently asked him, do you want to believe? And this man's heart had been prepared. He had made a journey from from being healed of physical blindness, he was now making a journey to being healed of spiritual blindness. And Jesus said, do you want to believe? And this wee man said, tell me how to believe. That's really what he said in this story. The journey between physical healing and spiritual healing is a good journey. And so here's the thing. Today, the Lord wants you to know that he's here today and he wants you to know that he wants to lead you. Maybe you're saved today. Maybe you've already asked Jesus to open your spiritual eyes and to come in and be your saviour. That's what happens when you ask him into your life. We can see spiritually. The Bible begins to make sense. The things that happen to us, we begin to understand that God's working behind the scenes, that we can talk to God, that we can speak to him, that we can talk to him about our problems. All of that stuff, the penny drops after we get saved. But you know, as we journey on and we live our lives and we experience more and more of life's difficulties and trials and problems, and I don't know what's going on in your lives, maybe some of you have some idea, but I don't understand, I don't, I don't have insight as to what you're going through right now. But this is what I do know that God knows. And I know that the Lord wants you to experience him finding you today. And I believe he wants to shine his light into your understanding. He wants you to give you a greater understanding of his love. And he wants to open up your, your whole mind to shine his light. That there's little areas. Now here's the thing. These people in this crowd, these religious leaders, they were blinded. Because they had decided that they knew everything. They decided this is the way things were. And they weren't willing to let God speak. They weren't listening to, to God's truth. They were closed off. They thought they had all the answers. They were all tied up in a big pink bow. And they knew, and just don't come in here because we know what, we're, what we believe. So don't you come in here and we don't accept this Jesus. We, we, we belong to Moses in the Old Testament. They were not willing to hear God. And the problem is that sometimes... Even through the power of, of a group mentality, sometimes we listen to people more than we listen to God. And the enemy wants, even if you're saved, he still wants to keep a part of you blind. He doesn't want you to understand how big God is and how much he loves you and that he actually has plans 
that he needs you to see and understand what he wants to do in your life. And so I'm praying right now that little blind areas that you've allowed to come in, maybe through listening to other people, or maybe just living, and that's the way it's always been. You've always, that's the way you've always behaved. That's the way you grew up. That's the way, that's what your expectation is. You don't expect anything more because this is the way life is. You've got it sort of, you're just like this crowd. You're not willing to allow God to shine his light in your heart. And you know what today? I believe he wants to shine his light into your heart and show you that he has more plans for you than what you realize. I believe he wants to shine. I I believe he wants to give you a bit of a shake today. And I believe he wants to shine the light of his glorious gospel into your heart and show you that he has plans that you know nothing about. Jesus came to this man and he understood it had been a hard day. That's what Ruth Haley Barton says. She says, The healing of his physical sight happened in a moment, but the real journey from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight gradually unfolded in the story. Jesus, who knew what an unsettling day it had been, was there to help piece it all together and take him the rest of his journey towards full faith. The healed man was learning there is a powerful difference between belonging to the group mentality and belonging to God. Listen, you might have been brought up through groups where you believe this is the way it was taught and maybe maybe you've just got into an old habits of doing things in certain ways. You know, the problem with, with religious habits is that they become just habits. We're not meant to live a life like that. We're meant to live, although it's good to have disciplines. I'm not saying we must have discipline. That's good and we need to fall back on that. But God doesn't want us to live on past rules and regulations. He wants us to live by a constant now word from him as we read his word and believe it. He wants us to live in a way that we're free from the world's mentality, that group mentality that kind of holds us. God wants to set us free. We don't belong to a group, we belong to God. And it's a one-to-one relationship. And yes, we belong to the body and we encourage the body and that's good and we must encourage each other. And I am one of the most fiercest advocates of how the body of Christ need to pray for each other and encourage each other. But you know what? We need to be open to God's voice. And any little dark areas... We need to allow him to shine in. This lady, Haley Barton, says, the punchline is this, those who admit their blindness see. And those who are convinced that they already see and stubbornly refuse to admit that, that they have a need for healing, they will not be able to see anything new. That's the point I'm trying to make. If you think you have everything all stitched up and God doesn't have to be part of it at all because you have it all worked out, that's not what God wants. God wants you to bring everything to him and trust him to give you a new slant on things. Do you know what? I believe God wants to give us a fresh vision today. I, I love, um, and, and some questions I'm going to ask here, how good is your spiritual vision? Are you living for God in this dark world? Are you more interested in being part of the in-group as opposed to walking with God in his light? Are you prepared to be different? Those are really searching questions, I think, for all of us. But here's the thing. Jesus died that you might see his face and live for him. And I love Psalm 27, where it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I've desired of the Lord. That's what I'm going to seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's one of my most favourite verses. The, the picture of, of looking, David, this, this is David's psalm. And David sat before the Lord and realised that the Lord was his light. And so long as he lived in the light, he would have no fear. And the Lord would give him the answers to every question that he brought before his face. Do you know what? That's the best way to live. That is the best way to live. And so the question is, have you seen his face? You know, it's a good thing to pray and pray. Close your eyes and say, Lord, I'm looking into your face by faith. And I am trusting you this day. And I love you, Lord. It's good to tell the Lord you love him. And it's good to experience that moment and that time with him where you're sitting in the light with him. And where everything that's in the dark, you said, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to let your light shine over it all. Over the good stuff and over the bad stuff. And Lord, just wash me clean. I want to bring everything into the light. Wash me clean. That's my favourite. That's my favourite thing to do is say, Lord, all this stuff that I'm trying to hide in the dark, I'm bringing it right out. Because I want to be rid of it. You know, sometimes we hide stuff in the dark and all that the enemy does is just weigh us down. Because we're in the dark. Jesus says, come into the light. Come into my light. I'll show you my face. I'll open your eyes and I'll wash you clean. And I'll take away all that rubbish that's hiding in the darkness. All that stuff that the enemy's trying to make you afraid of. I'm going to get rid of it all. And he says it because he loves you and he wants you to be free. And so the first question, Jesus died that you might be free. And you might see his face and live for him. The next one was Isaiah 60. Uh, he desires that you carry his light of salvation and shine. You know, when we live in the light and we enjoy God, here's the thing, we begin to carry, we're, we're light carriers. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. I mean, whether you know it or not, you, if you've trusted Jesus as your saviour, his light is in you and you're carrying his light everywhere you go. You are the light of the world. And Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I'm, I'm praying and believing that we'll get a fresh kick start as we go out of this place today to realise we're light carriers and that, that the light of God's glory has risen upon us. And then, of course, Ephesians 1 and 18, where it's, I've written here in your books, in your, in your notes, that God has so much for you to see and discern in the world around you. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about the light. Let me read this to you. At one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful to speak of the things that are done in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, 
not as unwise, but as wise. Do you know what? This is the great challenge that we all have. We can walk as children of light, and God wants us to, to walk wisely and to show the world what he looks like, to show the world the light of God. And then uh, I've written here, God has much for you to see and discern in the world around you, as well as in your own life and in the life of others. Ephesians 1 and 18 says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he's called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. Do you realise God's incredible greatness? Have you experienced something of his incredible greatness? Are your eyes open? Here's the, the final one. Do others see Christ in you? Because you're carrying Christ. You know, the moment that you trust him as your saviour, he comes in by his spirit and you carry his presence everywhere you go. And God wants you to shine his light in every corner of your life. And he wants others to be able to see Christ in you. Colossians 1 and 27 says, Christ in you the hope of glory this world doesn't have much hope i mean we're looking around and we're talking about about coronavirus and we're seeing we're seeing this coming across the earth and we're seeing all this talk and 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 we're seeing you know wars rising up and we're seeing people being murdered and we're seeing all kinds of atrocities i mean it's very easy to get sidetracked with all of that and think things are bad and, and yes because I remember whenever I was growing up, I mean, I remember somebody heard about a murder in Tandragee when I was a child. It was a talk of the country for months and months and months. I had never heard of a murder before in our country. Nowadays, that's nothing. So life has changed within my lifetime alone. When I was uh, a wee girl, it wasn't that long since aeroplanes had started to fly in the sky. I mean, not that long, like, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Way back in the early 1900s, isn't that right? It was not when they were starting to get a few wee things up off the ground. <laughs> the book of Daniel says that in the end times there'll be much toing and froing. It only started at the beginning of last last century. Flights have gone all over the world. That never happened before. Daniel's prophecy said in the end times there'll be much toing and froing. And not only that, Daniel's prophecy said in the end times knowledge will increase. Has knowledge increased over my lifetime? Listen, God's word is being fulfilled. And just as sure as we see those signs, remember this book of John's all about signs. Just as sure as we see the signs that Jesus is coming back to this earth, we need to get ourselves shook up and realize this is our day. The night will come, it'll be too late to do it. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to say, God, right, what can I do for you? Lead me. Show me. Help me to spend more time with you. Help me to, to open up my understanding. Help, I invite you to shine your light into my mind and give me your, give me, I really dare say it, give me your crazy ideas. I believe God has ideas that at first glance you would say, that's crazy. God's a God who can give you stuff to do that you would never dream that you could do. But he has already prepared you 
and, and actually molded you and shaped you for that very task? Why are we sort of duped over, like almost hypnotised? Go right back to your man in the jungle. What did they call your wee boy in the jungle? Mowgli. Remember him? Remember, remember how the um, remember the how the, the snake went. Mowgli. Remember? And before he knew, he was going to sleep. That's what the enemy does. He wants to knock you out. Oh, sure, life's just nothing going to change. Nothing's going to change. Just you stay the way you are. I'll just put you over to sleep. That's what we've been reading about. This is not a time to sleep. It's a good sleep, yes, but not the, the sleep that God talks about is into a drowse where we're not spiritually awake. This is not the time to be sleeping spiritually. This is the time to be awake spiritually. This is the time to be ready with your sword guarded. I remember one time a man said, whenever he got to glory, he didn't want to be stepping into heaven all nicely. He wanted to kind of go in like this. <laughs> With the sword in his hand, the helmet half off his head, and him heading in. Because we have something to do and to live for in this life. And now is your opportunity. Now is the day. The night comes. Once, that, once, this, once the Lord comes back, we'll be, he'll be doing a review of the whole thing. But these opportunities will be gone. Only one life it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. I tell you girls, let's give ourselves a bit of spiritual adrenaline and get ourselves ready and learn to rest in him. We need to be, we need to be allowing his power to go through us, to do the things he calls us to do. But you know what we also need? We also need, just as we need to, to, to be awake and to sleep in the natural, we need to learn to be full of what God wants us to do, but then to be going back and resting in him to get revitalised. And if we're not getting spiritual rest, and God's challenging me in this, if we're not getting spiritual rest and enjoying him and getting into that flow of living for him and then drawing back into his arms and resting in him, do you know what? We'll just run out, we'll just peter out. And that's where a lot of us go wrong. We need to keep the rhythm going. Lord, into your arms, rest in you. Just like he sent the disciples out, send them out, bring them back. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to live in a rhythm of his grace. For we will see the fruit, begin to see the fruit sprouting out of you. Wouldn't it just be amazing if we come in here, if we could see what God's doing in our lives, and we could just see the fruit sprouting out, sprouting out of us, sprouting sprouting out of us. You know, we can't see what God's doing, but I tell you, if you're living in that rhythm of enjoying God and being available to speak that word, to do that kind act, to stand up for Jesus, to take your stand. Listen, the fruit that God can see, it's all over you. If you just abide in him and enjoy him and do what he tells you to do and do what the blind man did. Jesus sent him and he went in faith and he came back saying, I tell you, the more we obey God, the more clearly we will see what he is saying to us and what he's showing us, not only for our own lives, but in the lives around us. And life can be such a, a wonderful adventure when we do it with Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Father, will you just come with a fresh wave of your love today? I pray, O oh God, as we sing this song, that you would stir up a love in our hearts for Jesus, a fresh love. Lord, may we, may we find our emotions. Lord, it's not all about our emotions, but we love to be emotional about you, God, because you're a God who loves.
and we want to love you back and we want to feel it and I pray as we sing this song about turning our eyes upon Jesus I pray Lord that you will come over this gathering and that you will just come and touch I pray that you will come and move and breathe and if there's anyone here who doesn't know you Lord would you open their eyes to see your beautiful face and to see what you've done for them on the cross. Lord, we love you. We give today into your hands. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stand and sing this song together. You know, keeping our eyes on Jesus is the secret in every situation. It's when we take our eyes off him that we begin to sink. When we take our eyes off him and start looking at somebody else or something else, that we begin to feel ourselves going down. It needs to be looking at Jesus, keeping our eyes upon him. Jesus wants us to experience more and more of himself. And so we're here today, and there are some women here at the front willing to pray with you. And if you feel that God has revealed something to you, there'll be some area where you've felt there's been a bit of darkness or you've just grown accustomed to something being the way it is and God has been shining his light and challenging you that actually when he shines his light on that situation or on that um, thought or whatever it might be that it can change because his light transforms everything and so if you feel that God wants you to come to the front, let's pray for you. Let's do this together. We're part of the body. We want to encourage each other. That's what we're meant to do. This blind man, I'm sure he needed people to help to lead him. We need to lead each other. We need to help each other. And we need to, we need to be open and honest about the little blind spots we can sometimes get. Because God wants to flood every part of you. Every obstacle, he wants to flood it with his light because he has a way of doing things that you maybe don't know about just yet because he's a God of the miraculous and he's a God who does things in ways we never expect and he's a God who wants us to be willing to come to him and say Lord your way not mine your way your will be done so Father I just thank you for this group and I pray a blessing over every woman in this group today I pray Lord in this auditorium that your word will penetrate and find an abiding place in every woman's heart. I pray today that, that you will know in your heart that God has spoken and that as you go out of here that you won't allow anything to take that away from you, that you'll allow it to germinate and get into the soil of your life and allow the Lord to start to bloom and blossom you and show you and point you in the direction that he's leading you and you know what? He'll go with you and he's faithful and he will actually do those things that he's calling you to step into because that's the kind of God he is. So we thank you, Lord, for every need, for every concern, for everything that's going on in life today. We just pray you, you come, Lord Jesus, let there be a point of coming together with the Saviour today that will change everything. Bless you all. We'll see you next week. God willing, uh, if Jesus hasn't come back. <laughs> Because come to the clouds here, we mightn't be here next week. But all being well, we'll be here. We'll see you then. Bless you.